Dear friends in Christ, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who trust in Him. And as we use God's word this morning, we remind ourselves that even Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane to His Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We read God's word of truth today from the Gospel of Mark in chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. As they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and told them, Go into the village ahead of you. As soon as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it, and he will send it back here without delay. They left and found a colt on the street, tied at a door, and they untied it. Some who were standing there asked them, What are you doing, untying that colt? The disciples answered them just as Jesus had instructed them, and the men let them go. They brought the colt to Jesus, threw their garments on it, and Jesus sat on it. Many people spread their garments on the road. Others spread branches that they had cut from the fields. Those who went in front and those who followed were crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. This is God's word before us today. In the name of Jesus, our King, dear fellow redeemed. We all have those items at home that we're so used to seeing that we kind of take for granted. And when we lose something like that, it can really drive us crazy because we're so used to seeing it around the house, but we never really take notice of it. I'm thinking about things like the TV remote, car keys, cell phone, a wallet or purse, maybe a book. No one enjoys losing anything at any time. But it can be especially perplexing when we lose an item like this that we're so used to seeing around from day to day because it's almost impossible for us then to know exactly where it is the last time we saw it. I heard a story this last week from a friend who came home after a busy day of work, parked his car in his driveway and carried a bunch of stuff in. And he put everything down and obviously the first thing on his mind as he got home was probably getting something for supper or taking his shoes off, not so much keeping track of everything that he had. Well, the day progressed and the next day came and he needed to drive again in his car, but he couldn't find his keys. He had lost them from the night before. So he tried to retrace his steps. Where did I last see them? Where was I in the house when I last had them? And he remembered, well, it would have been when I brought them home. But I had a bunch of stuff in my hand. So what did I do with them? And that's when the fear started to build up inside. Where were they? He searched frantically, looking all over the house, in bedrooms, in drawers, underneath furniture, all around, even in the garbage wondering if he had thrown them out. And he searched and searched and he had to use a different car because that car sat at the end of the driveway and couldn't be used. And eventually he realized, you know what? I'm just going to have to call the manufacturer and have them make a new key. 
And on the day that he was about to do that, his five-year-old son came into the room and said, hey, Dad, I found your keys. And they were on the living room floor all along, hiding in plain sight the whole time. I'm sure you've been through similar situations before where you've frantically paced around wondering where that item is that you lost. And I'm willing to guess that that item was one that you probably didn't think about much until you needed to use it. That's the thing about these little things like car keys and our cell phone that we think about from day to day and that can drive us absolutely crazy when we lose them because we only really think about them when we need them. If you have a more important item in your possession, something of greater value perhaps, chances are you'll think about it more often. You'll be more conscious of it. You'll be more aware of where it is. You'll be more intentional with where you put it. And so therefore, it's not as easily lost. What I'd like to consider this morning is how we treat Jesus. He's not an item or a possession, but what kind of attention does Jesus receive? What kind of focus does he hold in our minds? Do we treat him as valuable? Is he on our minds often? Or is he more like one of those items that we only think about when we have something we need? Unfortunately, all too often we see Jesus in the way that the crowds on Palm Sunday saw him something common and ordinary that they could use for their own purpose. Something that was useful to them as long as they figured they had a need for it. And the sad result of this in our lives is that Jesus, who really is the greatest treasure beyond compare, can seem lost and distant as if he's hiding in plain sight. This tension in how we view Jesus between the ordinary and the extraordinary is really at the heart of the Palm Sunday story. Here we see Jesus selecting a donkey, not just any donkey, a baby donkey, to ride on as he enters Jerusalem for the most important week in his life. The most important week, actually, in the history of the world. Jesus was about to embark upon the greatest task that anyone had ever endeavored to do, to atone for the sins of the world, to show himself openly as the chosen one of God, the very son of God. And he chose a baby donkey to announce his arrival. When you think of such a picture, it's not hard to see Jesus as common, as ordinary. What was his message in all of this? Well, part of what Jesus was trying to convey certainly was lowliness and humility. He wanted people to see him not as a grand king that was here for power on earth, but a common serving savior. As Philippians stated in our scripture reading, Jesus made a point to come in humility. Even his own birth at the beginning was a testament to this, as God had to lower himself even to take on human flesh. Then Jesus had to live a life of service, preaching and ministering to the crowds, showing compassion and long-suffering to the sick and the suffering, even bearing witness and testifying with great patience to the religious leaders who opposed him. Jesus did all of this throughout his entire life and upholding 
the theme over all of this was the fact that throughout every day of his life, he was fulfilling God's perfect holiness so that we could take that on in our lives. This Palm Sunday entrance by Jesus was really just a sum of everything that he had come to be. And it was deliberate, even in that sense, of fulfilling God's righteousness because it fulfilled the promise that God gave. We read it at the very beginning of our service from the prophet Zechariah. If Jesus had not come in this way, it also would have shown God's word to be false. Of course, that didn't prevent the people from trying to make this event into something that it was not. Jesus' point was that he was a servant to save the people. But the people spread their garments and palm branches on the road so that the typical dust would not be kicked up. They shouted, Hosanna, a word in their culture that meant save us, a word of respect to somebody in authority. And perhaps most telling of all, the people quoted the shouts of praise from Psalm 118 that spoke of the Savior to come from the line of David. It's hard to find fault with the people's reaction in these ways. None of what they said was wrong. But the bigger question is, what did they mean by this? Like we said at the beginning of our service, many people claim to find the Messiah, to know Jesus. But what do they mean by that? Did the people know the significance of Jesus' arrival on a baby donkey? Did they discern the fulfillment of God's prophecy through that? Did the people realize what awaited at the end of the week on Friday? It's hard to believe that any of the people that day on Palm Sunday knew the true purpose of Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem that week. As Jesus predicted, all would forsake him and even his closest followers. And so it transpired that way throughout the week. And even on the cross, Jesus would be left utterly alone, completely forsaken by all, even forsaken by his own father because of the sins that he bore on our behalf. And when that time came for Jesus to be forsaken by all, there were no crowds laying down their garments on the path before him. The shouts of praise soon gave way to the shouts of crucify him. The scriptures to be fulfilled were not about a king, but about a suffering servant to die. The contrast between Palm Sunday and Good Friday is stark and significant. And uh, we see that same divide in the, in the lives of the people that day, as well as in the lives and faith of many people even today. Sadly, the same trend of Palm Sunday continues to this day. For many people, Jesus is little more than someone to be utilized for their own gain. Somebody to be found when they want something. When Jesus talks about love, I can use that to ignore my sin. When Jesus rebukes the religious leaders, I can use that to stay away from church. When Jesus condemns pride... I can use that to twist the truth. When Jesus talks about holiness, I can use that to showcase my merits. 
There's no end to the ways that we can use Jesus as a common and ordinary device to prop up what we choose to believe for ourselves. It's easy to do this because I can do this while keeping the outward appearance of a Bible-following child of God. That's how people can still see me. But if internally I only see Jesus as my own device to use for my own gain, then I become my own God. No one has to really see what's inside the heart so long as everything looks good at a distance and so long as everything looks good to the ways of the world. But the unfortunate consequence of such a treatment of Jesus is that we lose who he really is. And that losing of Jesus takes place through lies and deception. Now we might think, lies and deception? Well, that's not going to happen to me because I know the truth. I've learned the Bible. I've been instructed. I've become a member of the church. I attend worship on Sundays. I listen to what God has to say. I won't be deceived. But it's not the blatant lies and deception that seem so obvious to us, but the crafty lies of Satan that seek to conceal the true view of Jesus from us. Satan is completely content to have you trust in Jesus so long as your version of Jesus is not the true one. In fact, he loves nothing more than that very thing. Satan does not want you to trust in the Jesus that defied the expectations of those who wanted him to become an earthly king instead of one who came to preach repentance and forgiveness. It was the same problem that the crowds on Palm Sunday had. They were willing to use the religious expressions. They were willing to quote the Bible. They were willing to shout praise as long as Jesus fit what they wanted him to be. Today, the images of Jesus are even more abundant. The political crusader, the personal life coach, the feeling affirming buddy, or even the doctrinal dictator. It's not those outside of the church that struggle to define who the real Jesus is. It can happen to all of us. And it doesn't matter which direction people are tempted to take their view of Jesus. The light of Scripture is what's needed to break through the fog and reveal the real Savior. And finding Jesus in this way, keeping our eyes focused on who He really is, begins by valuing Him, by looking for Him intently every day. The TV remote, the car keys, the cell phone, the wallet are all easily lost because they're on the periphery of our view every day of life. We're so used to having them around. We're so used to having access to them that we take them for granted, that we only need to think about them when we need them. Let us be on guard against the same habit with Jesus. The habit of the Palm Sunday crowd, we might say. They wanted Jesus for their own purpose. They were willing to focus on him as long as he gave them that. And because of that, they lost sight of who he truly was. 
This is a danger that is especially apparent for us in the church as we are used to having Jesus around. We know him well. We've grown up with him. Every so often, because of that, God will allow something to come along in life to wake us up a little bit. Think of an example of how that can happen in life. Not so much that it comes from God, but a reminder of how sometimes we need a wake-up. How often do you think of or thank God each day for electricity? My guess is that you probably haven't thought about it intently since the last time it was taken away. Isn't that really the only time we think about what a wonderful blessing we have with electricity? How there's only been a couple, maybe a hundred years or so of human existence that's had that blessing? And yet we only really think about it intently once it's gone. Once it can't suit our purposes any longer. And so sometimes we need that wind or that rain or that storm to wake us up in appreciation and gratitude. Spiritually, there are times when God allows things to enter into our lives to help us better appreciate Jesus. And with a greater view and appreciation of Jesus comes a more accurate understanding of everything he's done for you. And with a more accurate understanding of everything he's done for you comes a stronger faith and trust in him as your Lord and Savior. And so you see how God will allow you to be woken up from time to time, spiritually, that you may see Jesus more clearly and may have a stronger faith and trust in him. On Palm Sunday, we see the real Jesus with accuracy, the intersection of his humility as the Son of Man to suffer for sins with his glory as the Son of God and our eternal King. May we see Jesus in this way through the light of God's word, not as a means to get what we want, not only valuable when it can fill in our need in the moment, but rather as God the Father has chosen to reveal to us through the Holy Spirit in his word, the real Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man, our King and our Savior. And through that, may God lead us to a greater appreciation, a more accurate understanding, and a stronger faith. Amen. Please rise.